We're staying in the Old Testament this evening and reading the entirety uh, of Deuteronomy chapter 8. And I thought this would be a fitting passage to reflect on and meditate on this evening, as, again, as we look forward to um, celebrating Thanksgiving on Thursday, and especially as believers, giving thanks to our Heavenly Father for all that we have from His hand, the hand of His providence. I'd like to read this chapter, Deuteronomy chapter 8, and then I'd like to read the two questions and answers of Lord's Day 10 of the Heidelberg Catechism as it teaches on the providence of God. So please follow along with me as I read Deuteronomy chapter 8. This is God's holy word. The whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that He might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep His commandments or not. And He humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that He might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord." Your clothing did not wear out on you, and your foot did not swell these forty years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in His ways and by fearing Him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water of fountains and springs flowing out in the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. And you shall eat and be full And you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land He has given you. Take care, lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping His commandments and His rules and His statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, And when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you water out of the flinty rock who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that He might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. Beware lest you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth that He may confirm His covenant that He swore to your fathers as it is this day. 
And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish. Like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you, so shall you perish, because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. We end our reading of God's Word there and turn in our Psalter hymnals in the back to page 17. Page 17, we have here Lord's Day 10 of the Heidelberg Catechism. I'd like to read uh, both the question and the answer for you as you follow along tonight. Questions 27 and 28 of Lord's Day 10, again, page 17 in the back. Two, I think, of the most beautiful questions and answers of the Heidelberg Catechism by far. Question 27 asks, what do you understand by the providence of God? Providence is the almighty and ever-present power of God, by which He upholds, as with His hand, heaven and earth and all creatures, and so rules them that leaf and blade, rain and drought, fruitful and lean years, food and drink, health and sickness, prosperity and poverty, all things, in fact, come to us not by chance, but from His fatherly hand. How does the knowledge of God's creation and providence help us or comfort us? The answer, we can be patient when things go against us, thankful when things go well, and for the future, we can have good confidence in our faithful God and Father that nothing will separate us from His love. All creatures are so completely in His hand that without His will, they can neither move nor be moved. And I want us to focus tonight on that benefit of God's providence that we can be thankful when things go well. Thankful when things go well. Well, brothers and sisters in the Lord, forgetfulness, forgetfulness has to be one of the most frustrating and, and common mental failures that you and I experience on a daily basis, forgetfulness. Uh, whether we are young or old or somewhere in between, uh, we all forget we forget appointments that have been marked on the calendar for months in red pen. The day comes and goes, and sure enough, we forgot. It passed us by. Um, even uh, young children, I'm sure some of you, just a few weeks after school gets out for the summer, you've forgotten quite a few things that your teachers taught you uh, during the semester. Um, husbands, we're notorious for forgetting our anniversary dates and get in trouble with our wives. We're, we're all forgetting familiar faces and uh, notable names, even our own names. I re recall hearing the story, rather humorous story, of uh, three women who were lamenting their problems with forgetfulness. And one woman said to her friends, you know, girls, it's terrible. I've become so forgetful lately that the other day I was standing at the top of the staircase, and I couldn't remember whether I had just walked up the stairs or if I was ready to go down the stairs. And the second friend responds, oh, that's nothing. Yesterday, I was sitting at the edge of my bed. I couldn't remember if I had just woken up or whether I was preparing to lay down and go to sleep. And the third friend smiled rather smugly and said, well, girls, my memory is just as good as it's always been. Knock on wood. And she raps the table with her knuckles and immediately with a startled look on her face, she looks up to the front door and says, who's there? You see, whether we care to admit it or not, we are all forgetful 
people. Well, in our passage tonight, um, the Lord confronts His people, Israel, with that message. Don't forget. Don't forget. Remember your God. Remember all that He has done for you and serve Him. Obey Him. Where are the people of Israel at this time in their history? They are standing just east of the Jordan River. They are looking forward to, they are anticipating entering the promised land, this, this marvelous, bountiful land that the Lord swore on oath to their forefathers that He would give them. And they're about to take it over. But before they do that, before they enter this beautiful, this lush, this, this bountiful land that the Lord's provided for them, God speaks to them through Moses, His servant, and He delivers a very important message. And he reminds the people that his gracious providence has guided them and covered them every step of the way. God had rescued his people from Egyptian slavery. He had sustained them in the wilderness. He had driven out all of the enemy nations before them so that they could enter the promised land. And because of that, because of his great provisions for them, they are called to remember him and not forget when things go well for them in the new land, when they enjoy all kinds of prosperity, all kinds of wealth and blessing. They mustn't forget God. They must remember Him and all that He has done. Well, like our spiritual forefathers, God also calls us, He urges us tonight to remember His providence, to remember His fatherly care that, that touches every part, every aspect of our lives. And he says to us tonight, especially as we look forward to Thanksgiving, he says, don't forget. Don't forget the Lord. Remain thankful, as the catechism says, in prosperity. When things go well, remember my providence. Give thanks, obey, and serve your Lord, serve your God, who has been so good to you. We want to look at that tonight and be reminded of this message under three points. First of all, remembering God's provision. Secondly, rejecting self-provision. And then finally, receiving Christ's provision. Well, as you read the passage this evening, I hope you notice that, that God truly wants His people to remember their history. Uh, through Moses, God gives them a history lesson of sorts. He, he wants His people to remember, not forget, all of the wonderful covenant blessings that He's provided for them in the past, both in times of weakness, in times of need and want, uh, as well as in times of plenty, in times of comfort and prosperity. And especially in these first ten verses here, God sets out to refresh Israel's memory and shows them once again all that He has done for, for the nation by His almighty and ever-present power, by His providence. In verses 2 through 6, especially, the Lord reminds them how He led them in the desert those many years, those 40 years, how He humbled His people Israel and tested them and disciplined them as a father disciplines a son. Here He affirms that Israel is His chosen possession his son, so to speak. 
Even in the midst of their need in the wilderness, what did God do? God provided so many things for them. He provided manna from heaven, something their fathers, their forefathers had never known. This was a a miraculous, supernatural provision from the Lord. They had never seen this before. But the Lord worked on behalf of His people to feed them. When they were thirsty, again, He worked a miracle and He provided water from a rock, something they had never seen before, a beautiful picture of uh, our refreshing uh, life that comes through Jesus Christ. He says, your feet as you walk through the, the, the hot wilderness on the hot sand, they didn't swell. Your clothes didn't wear out. And so, he calls them here in verse 6 to observe his commandments, to walk in his ways, to follow his will. Because through all of these years, in times of plenty and in times of want, The Lord remained faithful. He remained Israel's provider God who would keep His promise to bring them to this new land, this sacred space, the promised land that He had promised on oath to give. Moses here uh, goes into great detail, beginning in verse 7, to describe the goodness of this land that the Lord is bringing them to. He says, In verse 7, the Lord is bringing into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs flowing out in the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oils and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing. That about sums it up. So bountiful is this land that they are about to take over that they will lack nothing. His people will lack nothing at all. Whatever trials, whatever troubles had beset the people of Israel in the past during those 40 years, all would be made right again by the the beauty and the prosperity and the abundance of the promised land. But God says to them, remember me when you get there. Don't forget my provision." When you enjoy this beautiful place, respond with thanksgiving. Respond in obedience. Well, people of God, very much like Israel, we stand just east of the promised land. We are also, as believers, waiting with eager anticipation, with hope, with faith for the coming of the King, for the coming of Christ, for the fulfillment of all of His promises. We're looking forward to the the fulfillment and the coming of the new heavens and the earth when all things will be made right again. It's as if we right now have one foot resting in the promised land because we enjoy the essence of those blessings and those promises in Jesus Christ by faith. We read in the Heidelberg Catechism that we already enjoy the very special providence of God in our lives. We saw in answer 27 of the Heidelberg that that God's special providence touches our lives here and now, not just His general providence, not just His general rule over the earth in which He provides for the just and the unjust, guides our lives not by luck or chance but by His, His good will so that all things come to us not by chance, but by His fatherly hand. It's not just that. It's the special providence of God. We have the glorious knowledge as believers 
that our sins have been totally washed away, that we've been delivered from sin, the slavery and the death of sin, just as Israel was delivered from Egyptian slavery. We have the comfort of the promise that we belong to the Lord, not to ourselves, but to God, and we will never be lost. We have all the blessings of the Holy Spirit, the first fruits of the kingdom that is coming. We think of all the ordinary blessings in our lives, the, lives, the, the blessings of food and drink and shelter, companionship, blessings of the communion of the saints. And all of this comes to us from our gracious God who meets our needs as His special covenant people. And the comfort we receive from that providence of God, the Catechism says, is that we can be patient in adversity, to be sure, but thankful in prosperity. Thankful in prosperity. But like Israel, it's often in those times when things are going well, in those times when when God's providence not only flows but overflows in our lives, and we seemingly have no special needs. It's in those times of prosperity and comfort that we need, too, to be reminded of our history. Because the Lord says to us concerning His providence, remember me. Remember where you came from. Remember how you got to this place. Don't forget how I rescued you from your bondage to sin. Remember how I have lavished my blessings upon you. And so, lest we forget God when things go well, we need to be daily reminded of, we need to make a list, perhaps, of all of the ways God's special providence has touched our lives and has blessed us so that we might respond appropriately. We might magnify His name and serve Him joyfully, faithfully, rather than forgetting Him, as we are so prone to do. And we see, secondly, that uh, God is very aware of our tendency to forget Him when things go well. Boys and girls who are here tonight in Sunday school, I know you've studied Israel, and you know that God's people often forgot God when things went well for them. And they often thought that they could provide much better for themselves than God could provide for them. When God rescued them from Egypt, from bondage, how did they respond? Did they respond in in, in great gratitude and, and consistent thanksgiving and praise and obedience? Not at all. Not at all. No, they grumbled. They grumbled against God. They said to Moses, why did you bring us out here into the wilderness to die? At least back in Egypt we had food to eat. At least we had graves in which we could bury our dead. Why did you bring us out here? We had it better in Egypt. When God provided manna from heaven, how did they respond? Well, with some gratitude at first. But then they grumbled once again. And they said, this food, we can't stand it anymore. We can't stomach it. It's intolerable. We can't stand it anymore. Even when God provided water from the rock, they quickly forgot God. They quickly forgot the God who provided for them, and they soon made a golden calf and and gathered around it to worship in a sinful and idolatrous way. Instead of waiting upon the Lord to meet the nation's needs, they thought they knew better. 
and they instead worshiped the works of their own hands. Israel frequently forgot God and all that He had provided for them, and they attempted to be self-sufficient, self-sufficient. Well, it's with that kind of track record, it's not a surprise that the Lord warns Israel how they should act, how they should live when they enter the promised land, when they don't have any great needs anymore, when everything is, is lush and beautiful and bountiful. When they are fully satisfied, that's when they really need to be called to obedience. And so Moses reminds them in verses 10 and 11, he says, when you get to the land, you shall eat, you'll be full, but what must you do? You should bless the Lord your God for the good land He has given you. He says in verse 11, take care, be on your guard, watch out, lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping His commandments and His rules and His statutes. The Lord knows that if His people forget Him, if they begin to seek self-provision, then they will have a skewed understanding of His providence. When they are satisfied, when they build fine houses and settle down, when their herds and their flocks grow large and their silver and their gold increases and everything becomes multiplied, they will begin to say to themselves in verse 17, my power and the might of my hands have gotten me this wealth. And they'll begin to trust in their own self-provision and turn away from the Lord their God who has given them everything. And the Lord is speaking to Israel now through Moses and says, you must reject the idol of self-provision and remember the Lord your God, for it is God alone who enables you to gain wealth. And this passage ends with a warning that if they ever forget God, if they turn to the idol of their own self-provision, they will be destroyed like the nations before them. Now, brothers and sisters, like Israel, we're very tempted, aren't we, to embrace a self-sufficient, a self-providing mindset, a posture of pride before God when He lavishes out His blessings upon us. When we, we experience His covenant blessings and His gracious providence, we are sometimes tempted to trust in the work of our own hands. But the same God who rebuked Israel also calls us to reject self-provision and arrogance when things go well for us in life. He calls each of us to examine our thoughts and our actions regarding the providence of God, and we can do that in some very practical ways. Dads, how do you respond to God's goodness? shown in your life, when when your job goes well, when you are well employed, when you, you move up the corporate ladder perhaps, when you are successful and your family has all the needs that it might consider or have in mind, does that success drive you to your knees in prayer and in thanksgiving and humility before the Lord to give Him the, the praise and the credit for all of it? Or does it puff you up with pride? Moms, when, you're, when your family enjoys good health, or perhaps you have gone from sickness to health, when you've had healthy children born to you, do you in those moments 
become more fully aware of God's gracious providence as the only source of those good gifts? Does it lead you to commit yourself more fully to Him and to His service? Or do those blessings from God's hand cause you to presume upon His goodness or perhaps become worldly in your concerns? Young people, when that scholarship letter comes in the mail from your dream college, what's your response? Do you simply praise your hardworking attitude, chalk it up to good old perseverance and perspiration? In other words, does God's providence urge us to acknowledge Him and worship Him and serve Him more and more, or does the goodness of God prompt a self-sufficient and boastful thinking? Brothers and sisters, God calls us, He he commands us to rely upon Him, to rely upon His gracious provision in Christ, but that trust in Him, trust in adversity, trust in prosperity, that trust will lead us to act and live in certain ways. First, trusting God means that we're going to respond to Him and, and His providence with thanksgiving. And what is thanksgiving? but a complete admission of our utter dependence upon God for everything that we need. It's a humble confession that everything that we have is ultimately a gift that we should owe to His bountiful grace. It's the realization that we, despite all of our efforts and our hard work, despite all of the abilities that we might have and all of the effort we might exert, despite all that, We realize that everything comes to us from the hand of our Heavenly Father so that even on Thursday when our tables groan under the load of a huge Thanksgiving feast, we still have reason to pray, our Father in heaven, give us this day our daily bread, to recognize that it comes ultimately from Him. But trusting God, relying on His providence means something more. It means also that we're going to have a spirit of gratitude. We cultivate a spirit of gratitude because much deeper than the problem of forgetfulness is the problem of ingratitude. We find an excellent illustration of that in Luke 17, familiar of this, the healing of the ten lepers. All ten lepers came to Jesus crying out to be healed of their terrible disease, And all ten of them, 100%, experienced His healing grace. But how many returned to demonstrate His gratitude to Jesus? Just one. Just one. We are very prone, aren't we, to be like the ungrateful nine. We are so eager to accept God's gracious provisions. We're so eager to hold out empty hands to receive His blessings. But how slow we are. to to be grateful, to give Him the credit, to worship Him for everything that He has given us. And so we need to pray that the Holy Spirit would cultivate within us a deeper spirit of gratitude, a realization of our utter dependence upon God for all of life. And as we do that, as we pray for that, as the Spirit cultivates that virtue within us, we're going to begin to reject the foolishness of self-provision and begin to live in the joy and the freedom of depending upon God for all things. 
But the truth, finally and briefly, is that we fail at that miserably, don't we? We fail miserably. We so often fall into an idolatrous, self-sufficient way of thinking. And the world and its influence certainly doesn't help us in that. And we wonder sometimes, how can we possibly hold up under the pressure? How, how can we possibly hold up, up under the temptation to be self-sufficient? How can we grow in obedience in this way? Well, the answer is found in the only one who ever passed the test, who underwent temptation to be self-sufficient but came out victorious on the other side. That's where the answer is found, and the answer is found in our Lord Jesus Christ. Because our Lord Jesus understood a few things. Our Lord Jesus truly understood that the physical food and drink that, that we work so hard to provide for ourselves cannot provide what we truly need to preserve our lives. Jesus understood, Jesus knew that what we truly need for life comes from our Heavenly Father. But there's something else that he knew very vividly. He also knew what it was like to be tempted as we are to pursue self-provision rather than to rely on his heavenly Father's provision of his needs. We read in Matthew 4, right at the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry, the Holy Spirit drove him into the desert to be tempted for 40 days and 40 nights, much like Israel, uh, tempted by the devil. And after this long period of tempting and, and trying, intense hunger set in. And the devil came to Jesus and he said, Jesus, if you are the Son of God, tell all these stones around you to become bread. I know you can do it if you are the Son of God. After all, your heavenly Father apparently hasn't met your needs. So hungry you are. But what does Jesus do? To this temptation, Jesus answers Satan with words from our passage this evening. He quotes Deuteronomy 8, verse 3, and he says, It is written, Satan, in the Word of God, Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. It's as if Jesus was saying to Satan, even if my heavenly Father should not provide the physical food that I need right this moment, He could sustain me by His Word and His will alone. Because my Father's provision is something far better than mere food or drink. And so we see our Lord Jesus, right at the beginning of His ministry, He is actively obeying the will of God, and He's obeying the Word of God. He is trusting His heavenly Father perfectly to provide for all of His needs. And brothers and sisters, that's our task too. We are called to do that. We're called to, to fall in line with God's providence, to stand obediently under His sovereign Word as Jesus did, to recognize that it's His Word. That's the ultimate source of our life. That's the place we, we go to to find everlasting life in His Word. And so the Lord would have us reject the folly, the foolishness, the idolatry of self-provision and instead cling to, to the perfect provision of God's Word and His will. And yet at the same time, we must see that we can't be successful in that 
simply by seeing Jesus as, a, as an illustration or an inspiring lesson about how we need to work harder the next time the temptation to be self-sufficient arises, because that would be to adopt the, the same self-sufficient mindset that Jesus is condemning. Rather, we remember and not forget, and we accept God's gracious provisions for us. We do that in hard times and in easy times by receiving Christ's provision for us. Christ obeyed. He obeyed perfectly, and He did so in our place. He alone succeeded at trusting God every moment of His life and accepting God's providence for Him, though we repeatedly fail at that. And so our ability to remember God's providence, even when things go well, comes simply not, from, not simply from imitating Christ's example, it comes as we place our faith and our trust in Jesus, who Hebrews 5 tells us, although he was a son, learned obedience from what he suffered so that he might make us children of God. And that's who we are. We are children of God. We receive his provision day after day and his grace day after day for the sake of Jesus Christ in whom we place our faith and our trust because of that, now it becomes our joyful privilege to remember God's providence, even when things go well and life is comfortable, because the one who supplies everything we need for life is the one who has given us His Word by which we must live day after day. It's in His Word where we read of Christ, our perfect, obedient Savior. It's in His Word that we encounter the gospel, the good news of salvation through Him. It's in His Word that we receive the spiritual nourishment that the works of our hands could never attain. And so we praise God tonight and throughout this week for the spiritual nourishment that He has given us, this wonderful provision that we should never neglect. Let us look to God, our heavenly Father, for all our needs trusting His ability to help us attain what we need week by week by His providential hand, our needs that are met in our perfect Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we do confess. We often seek our needs in ourselves rather than looking to You as the, the perfect provider of our needs. And, oh Lord, in our weakness, we Pray that you'd help us not to look inward, but to look to the one who perfectly trusted you to meet his needs uh, as he went through periods of calm and periods of trial, our Lord Jesus Christ, who knew that our perfect provision comes uh, as we look to your word for wisdom and insight and, and spiritual nourishment, oh Lord, as we are uh, reminded of the, the glorious gospel that you have met all of our needs in Christ Jesus as the atonement, atoning sacrifice for our sin. So, Lord, help us not to turn to, our, uh, to this world as the source of our strength and provision and fulfillment. Help us not to turn to ourselves uh, as if we are the ones who meet our needs ultimately, but help us to turn to You and remember You and not forget. Help us to give thanks and to dedicate ourselves afresh to Your service and to Your glory. 
Lord, we do fail at this, but we thank you for your spirit who is weekly, daily cultivating these virtues within us. Lord, as we come to the table with one another this week to celebrate your goodness, may we truly be thankful for all the riches of your providence that are ours through Jesus Christ. And may you truly be glorified through our lives and through our gratitude. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's take out our Songs of Praise booklets in the pew and turn to number 50, uh, Give Thanks. It's a beautiful yet simple song, uh, really joining one another to give thanks with a grateful heart to the holy God who has given us Jesus Christ and met all of our needs through Him. The song repeats several times, and so please follow Ray as we go uh, and sing this song together. Let's stand together to sing number 50. Saints of God, having heard the glorious news of the gospel, having your hearts now encouraged and strengthened by the word of truth, go out into the world to serve your King in the strength that He provides and the joy that He gives. Receive now the parting blessing of our God. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Thank you.